Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And we're on the heels of Miami, and there's so much tennis tea to talk about again. I know. We've been gifted with two weeks in a row of so many wonderful stories coming out of the tennis world. So much gifts. So many gifts. Every day is a gift. (laughs) (laughs) We wanted to first extend some thanks to everybody who was downloading last week. We had a lot of downloads from for our Federer episode and some discoverers people who are downloading old stuff so thank you for that yeah um I mean just a little note uh, as you know Jason and I more so me I'm more addicted to uh social media so I'll get the notifications on my phone and our genie interview that we did last summer you know I texted Jason I said hey are you noticing that we're picking up more likes and more shares of the genie interview on Facebook and he's like yeah I did notice that so I mean I don't know what is happening in the social platform universe that is putting our um, genie interview into the ether but like Jason said thank you so much because you know we definitely notice a little spike in our listenership mm-hmm I'm noticing that, so for full disclosure for everybody, Aldwin and I record and we can see each other on FaceTime, but you you look extra close today. I don't know what it is. I look extra, <laughs> I look look extra ex- close? Yeah, you look extra close to the phone. I don't know if it feels the same way for, from your end with me, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, setup's the same, hun. Okay. <laughs> Nobody else can see it, so it doesn't matter. Um, thank you for those who engaged in our conversation about Roger Federer. <laughs> it was uh, a topic that I think a lot of people maybe have similar feelings about, but they don't want to get on the bad side of Federer fans. <laughs> I did not know. I mean, maybe that's the reason why we saw such a spike in our listenership. Um, you know, the title of our previous episode was The Federer Refresh, Can Tennis Survive Without the King? And in the preparation of the uploading of that video, last week I was in charge of um, creating the title and I felt a bit a ways not gonna lie a <laughs> bit a ways about referring to Federer as quote-unquote the king because you know a lot of our listeners out there can be divided into one of three camps right you're, mm-hmm. you're either loving Federer, Joko or Rafa and all y'all know who you are you slide into our DMs on a regular reminding us who your favorite is but I thought you know to egg our listeners on a little bit why not call him the king in the title (laughs) (laughs) and i think people are maybe starting to get a sense as we've talked about these guys many times that we don't necessarily have a feeling one way or the other about who is the best the verdict is still 
ongoing <laughs> and uh we will allow the fans to express their desires and their admiration for whoever they like but uh don't expect us to not sort of give you another side of how you should see each of them right okay question for you so needless to say a couple of people slid into our dms you referred to this earlier and you said that people kind of i would you say that they thanked us a little bit they yeah. they acknowledged <laughs> that it's something that should be addressed and even a federer fan page acknowledged it right okay so let's just refer to the few listeners that slid into our dms I mean, I'll speak for myself. I was surprised. I didn't know that this was kind of like an underground dirty secret in the tennis world. (laughs) I swear to God, I didn't. I didn't know that there's a base of Roger Federer fans that are, you know, that play a little dirty, sling a little mud, um, and that there are fans of other players that message us saying, thank you so much for just shedding light putting a spotlight on this you know dirty little secret in tennis did you know that that existed maybe you know (laughs) what they do is they hurl virtual tennis balls at people's throats that's what those federer fans do (laughs) at least Djokovic does it right (laughs) to the yeah you know to the ball (laughs) (laughs) okay I get it I got it five seconds later (laughs) I mean I I like to think that people just are passionate about the player that they love um but you know you don't need to come for people if they offer a critique um you know, you can definitely come for Djokovic's father, who seems to have uh, <laughs> have it out for Roger, and you know, obviously thinks his son is the best. But uh, don't don't come for people who have a differing opinion or offer you to to think a different way about um, the big three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I just expected that the Roger Federer fan base would behave in a certain way. Maybe that's my fault. You know what happens when you assume it makes an ass of you and I. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I slid that in there. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I was surprised. So I just wanted to see what your take on all of those messages were, because I mean, maybe it doesn't surprise me after all to know that there's a small faction of the Federer fan base that are just cray cray. But, um, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those dirty little secrets. I think that, you know, has been kept hush hush. I mean, a lot of things in our world have come to the surface. And <laughs> I mean, this is just one microcosm of it. So, you know, that we're just keeping it real. Mm-hmm. And yeah, don't mistake it for us not wanting him to be back or do well or, or compete well. It's just uh, an assessment of the messaging and the tone that came out upon the almighty's return (laughs) (laughs) you are you are i've already called you called you this before but you are the queen of underhanded shade you just like (laughs) to keep it factual but then throw a little adjective in there that really rouse people to f up (laughs) yeah and you know that's a good segue because i also wanted to keep it factual and bring back something that we talked about towards the end of our show last week (laughs) and i know you know sometimes you try to give me credit and i you know remain humble and try to be modest but sometimes i think it's worth you know throwing me a bone and (laughs) and taking taking credit where credit is due so roll the clip 
We have another tournament to watch this week in Mexico. I think Layla is coming up soon. Yay! Let's see if she can win a match. I know she can. <laughs> see if we can. She can win. A match. She can. So she can do it. Um, and uh, that's it for this week. <laughs> We're not going to cut a, that, are we? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. I like it. Yeah. So, just a refresher. <laughs> I said. I think Layla can win a match. I and think she can. I think she could do it. And she did. She won five of them. <laughs> she won all of them. <laughs> she won all of them. And she won her first tournament. And she didn't even just prove you wrong in the winning of the one match, but she went to the extreme. Yeah. As if telepathically she heard you reverberate through the universe. Or you never know. Maybe she is a listener. I mean, just to pop that in there, Leila Annie Fernandez is an avid and frequent, consistent viewer of our stories. Pops into our DMs every now and then. So maybe she did listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just said, let's see if she can win a match. And I think that she can. And clearly... It worked. She didn't even drop a set. So I have to have to take credit in some way for <laughs> her first tournament win. There you go. We're so happy for Layla. I mean, last night, you know, all of Canadian tennis on social platforms were rejoicing. I mean, the week before we anticipated anticipated Jeannie taking home her second title. Little did we know that it was going to be another Canadian the week after that would take home her maiden WT tour. WTA tour title which is an enormous success we're so happy for her mm -hmm. and her reaction in, at the end of the match and the tears it was so cute to watch yeah what did you think just about her play in general like I know you watched the final mm -hmm. um, you know you shared a couple of uh, points with me before our recording but yeah what did you find that she did so well in the final maybe in her previous matches I didn't realize that she had such a good drop shot. I was mm. impressed at how she would use that and then she would come forward. I just think she's very, when she's on and she's not being, you know, pulled around the court in the way that she's trying to do to other players, she's very consistent. And unlike uh, the match that Jeannie had with Sorbez <laughs> Tormo. I know what you're going to say. She was willing to... <laughs> She was willing to stay in the point in mm -hmm. in the rally and sort of play within the margins a little bit um, with a little bit more um, not consistency, but like she was tr she was better at picking her her moment. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I didn't watch the final live, but I did watch the final um, after a busy night of chores and things like that. I'm telling you, Layla plays left handed tennis perfectly. Any left-handed player, myself included, y'all got to watch her because she executes all the most important left-handed plays the best. I mean, one play that I thought she really did well in the final was her left-handed serve, her slice serve wide. Why do I not use that serve more often in my own game? I don't know. Maybe Jason should have been asking that question, especially since... He's my doubles partner. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she used that left-handed slice hook serve so effectively against Golubic, um, took her wide off the court, and then just hit her into the open court and just made her game so easy to just 
capitalize and finish off the points. And I was just, her execution was excellent. Did you not find? I agree. Yeah. And her yeah. serve, she would, like you said, her serve, she was hitting aces, which for someone who's 18, who's still sort of like growing into herself and finding her strengths, that's pretty impressive to be able mm -hmm. to hit aces. I don't know how tall she is, but she seems yeah. kind of, she seems kind of slight. So she doesn't, like appear like a player who can hit a ton of aces but yeah and you know truth be told when you think about the future of women's tennis obviously we look at bianca having been became a grand slam champion a couple years ago and you know we talked in a, a couple episodes ago during the australian open when she lost against shay she just has so many gifts that she brings to the game that you can see bianca as an obvious multi-slam winner and I don't know necessarily that you could say that right off the bat with Layla, but what impressed me about her in this final is something that you mentioned before, which was that she clearly has a drive. She clearly has a focus. She has um, a commitment to execution and she has, you know, what it seems like a dedication and, um, and, and a work ethic. So she might not necessarily have the natural gifts that a Bianca or a Genie might bring to tennis, but she for sure has the, you know, the workhorse attitude, which could get her, which can get her really, really far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see that even on the court, she, if she loses a point, she sort of moves back to the back of the court. She sort of does that little dance around that shuffle, that fist pump, <laughs> and then she gets, and then she gets back to the line. Are you calling her the Rafa Nadal of women's tennis? Is that what you're calling her? Rafa, Maria, they both they both kind of do that. It's more of a Maria thing with the the fist pump. She does have a lot of idiosyncrasies, eh? I like love she, them. You do? Okay. Yeah. What are your What are your favorites? I know you mentioned them, but like, are there any others that you just really you really kind of cling on to? You're like, this is fascinating to me. I mean, I like the the sort of quick left, right, left, you know, jumping of her of her legs at the back of the court. Mm -hmm. I love the quick sort of bouncing of the ball at the same time. Like all of these things are things when we finally get her on the show, we're going to mm. get all of our, <laughs> all of our listeners to do their best imitation of, of the Layla, um, the Layla isms in honor of her coming on the show and mm -hmm. her crouch and her crouch on return of serve. Yes. All she iconic. They're going to be iconic. Iconic. I love it. Yeah. Um, what What's next? Oh, I on the last thing on Layla, obviously mm. we want to congratulate her, but it's been like 18 months since a Canadian won a tournament. So she's the first in like 18 months. So we talk about all these players, you know, Raonic, Pospisil, more so Felix and Dennis. And, you know, obviously Bianca has been away. Jeannie almost won a title, but it was Layla who was the first among all those players and all the tennis talk in Canada do, to win a tournament. Do you know who the last Canadian was that won a tournament? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't. Can I guess? Yeah. It's definitely not on the WTA. Yes, it is. What? Yeah. Bianca? Yeah. She won the US, US Open? Open? Yeah. That is wackety whack. Don't talk back. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, right. Because Felix is like zero and 49 million <laughs> in finals. He's 0 for 8 now. And then, you know, 
Dennis has won a tournament like two years ago and he's like oh and seven in finals or, or semifinals or something and it's made two other finals so and one and, was because Nadal withdrew at the at semis yeah and Raonic is like the quarter and semi queen well he made he made the final in Cincy in New York but right right yeah so Dang. kudos to Layla for you know bringing bringing a, a singles title back home whoop whoop what what so you wanted to talk you said you spent more time with st petersburg where i spent zero time yeah and you know what now that i think about it like i shouldn't have done that i mean our stupid i'm dumb (laughs) jeez like what's wrong with me no seriously i mean Jeannie and Layla were both in the draw at in monterey monterey in monterey um, for whatever reason, I have a thing for the St. Petersburg tournament. You know, Russell, our lovely friend, my former doubles partner, one of my best friends. Um, I think we had talked about our love for St. Petersburg. I think it's the court, the fact that it looks like a dimly lit club. <laughs> like our club? <laughs> no, I mean, not, not, a, not a tennis club, like a... You know, oh, like gonna, a nightclub. Like I was gonna say, like a discotheque. <laughs> am I <laughs> am I ninety nine years old? <laughs> um, yeah, and there are a couple of players that I've always had my eye on whenever they play this tournament. Mladenovic is one. She's historically done well. I believe she's won Saint Saint Petersburg before. Um, and for whatever reason, Vera Zvonareva in her comeback to the WTA tour after being off for a couple of years is just a player that I so desperately want, just like Vika, I might en- I might mention, I want to kind of get back to the top of their game. And she had an amazing tournament. Svonareva made the semis. Um, but our ATP forehand girl, Daria Kasekina, <laughs> is back. And she defeated... Gasparian in the final and unfortunately it wasn't a full final because Gasparian with um, withdrew retired in the second sorry retired in the second set 2-1 because of a lower back injury but I mean Daria you know having come back from an injury herself was looking really sharp and I didn't I mean this is a fact that escaped me but she is now the only I mean there haven't been a lot of tournaments truth be told but she's won two tournaments already for the year Oh, is that true? I didn't know that. Well, remember the 25 billion tournaments that happened in Melbourne? Right. She won one of those? She won like about 25 of the 25. Billion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she won one of the tournaments. So now she's a, you know, a two. Uh, uh, she holds two titles this year. That's tremendous. I just re- remember her from her fall and Azarenka picking her up at the U.S. Open. I know. Oh, so yeah. Congratulations to our girl, Daria. Um, winning her title. I mean, she did a cute little IG photo of herself in a cute little outfit, um, carrying her trophy. And I messaged her and said, "Hey, sweetie, it's a really cute bag. Where can I buy it?" <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> she got she the say? joke. She oh. just, yeah, she didn't message back. <laughs> <laughs> but we still love you, Dario. So congratulations. Congratulations. I I think you and Russell talk a lot about Casatkina. Casa Kina, because of the ATP forehand, I mean, we're, we're just referring back to a couple of the, you know, episodes that you and I discussed about the women when they have an ATP forehand, we just automatically assume they're going to rip the damn WTA tour. <laughs> and 
Daria was this girl that caught fire for a minute and then she got injured and now she's kind of figuring her way back. So we're happy for her. Give our listeners who don't know what you mean by an ATP forehand uh, a little <clears throat> description or definition of that. Okay, so an ATP forehand is what you would call the style and technique that is essentially taught to the male players that use the ATP obviously that use the ATP forehand. Um, I would say that it's characterized by uh, semi-Western grip. Um, there are elements of the ATP, po- ATP style forehand, like pet the dog. This is like, this is some of the terminology. I know I'm getting really, really complicated. But anyway, it's like a, it's like a technique that's taught to the ATP, uh, that's taught to, taught to the male players to encourage um, lots of top spin, lots of clearance over the net, but still maintain power that for whatever reason hasn't caught um, fire or popularity on the WTA tour. Women are still kind of playing with a flat, hard ball, not preferring, you know, a lot of top spin. Think about Maria Sharapova, for example. But, you know, I think that a lot of coaches these days that are that are coaching ATP players, sorry, WTA players are wanting to give women that edge. So they're teaching this technique and Daria happens to be one of those players that plays with that forehand. Mm-hmm. And Sviantec is another one. Yeah, Sviantec. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It, pro- it provides, like you said, more clearance over the net. And I think it it ensures almost um, a better chance of, of, you know, longer balls closer to the line dropping. On, yeah on it dropping in yeah and i mean like you know when you hit with a flat forehand and you're on fire i mean that's why i find maria sharapova to be such an anomaly you know you play with a flat forehand you risk a lot but she ended up having such a good technique on her flat forehand she ended up winning five majors right mm-hmm. but you know not everyone can be as precise as maria so that's why you know that forehand i think is more is is advantageous mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's it for the women and speaking of precise rublev has been precise in winning 500 events until this week babe honestly i was really waiting till you got to this segment like normally i'm <laughs> all about the wta no shade to layla congratulations girl i felt all of the stories came from your end of the world like as in <laughs> your end of the tennis world right because i you know, I, I perused through the headlines. I caught a couple of matches. But, babe, you have a lot to talk about. Where do you want to start? you want to start in the Middle East? Peace sure. in the Middle East? Yes, okay. let's talk about Karat's calves. Mm-hmm. His sexy calves. <laughs> <laughs> and winning his first tournament. It was, yeah, it was just cool. And he was just so chill. Like, this was meant to happen. Here I am picking up my boat trophy (laughs) but you know um the dubai crowd free open uh, (laughs) concluded its two weeks of men and women with karatsev winning his first title and it and i you know put up put out a couple of posts you know on the glta and on some (laughs) of the atp posts that you know it's it's the kind of story that you know me i personally sort of like he's Someone who did really well in a Grand Slam and is now, it's clicked and he's turning that into tournament titles and he's now got his first. Yeah, I mean that post that you um, shared on the GLTA Players Lounge, 
it did catch fire. There were a lot of people that were vocal about the fact, like, thank goodness, it's a player outside of the top three that has won a big tournament. Now, were you surprised that Karatsev came home with the title? Because I'll tell you right now, I thought he was just, like, a beautiful story at the Australian Open. I did not think that he was going to show this kind of result so so quickly after the first slam of the year. Admittedly, I was bummed that I found out the results of the Rublev Karatsev match without getting to watch it because I would have mm. wanted to watch it. And, be, you know, after that, and because there were all these tournaments going on this week, I sort of bailed mm-hmm. on, on, on rewatching it, even though I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. And, and, and then I tuned into the Harris, who's another story of a South African player who did well in Doha and now made a final Mm -hmm. and beat team and beat I I forget who else he beat I don't know if he beat RBA Um, he beat Dennis Chapo who couldn't make another final (laughs) so yeah it was just cool to see and then I watched the final and obviously I think Harris was a little bit tired (laughs) and Karatsev just (laughs) killed it Harris is like I've never played this far deep in a in a draw before. <laughs> and he played, I think he played qualifying as well. So he had already played seven matches mm-hmm. and this was the eighth. So, Yeah, I mean, if there's a theme to kind of tag the first couple of tournaments of the year is it's the story of, story of the qualifiers. A mm. lot of qualifiers are kind of working their way to the through the draw, making names for themselves and not even just like getting out of qualifies and qualies and winning the first the first few rounds but getting deep so good good on them i don't know who harris is no offense i don't know her i'm pulling a mariah carey sorry sweetie (laughs) but um i mean i do have oh no 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 okay no we're gonna wait until the next tournament sorry yeah so lloyd harris uh south african i think he's like 24 Mm. moving up again another player sort of slowly moving his way up the rankings. I think he'll be in like the top 60, but yeah, he beat team. He beat chapeau. So just a good, solid, consistent player who, you know, has long hair. <laughs> what, a, what up with team? What up with him? I don't know. What, what up, up boo? with that? What up what? with that? Uh, yeah. Team is um, having a little, Slump. Team is like the Zverev of 2021. <laughs> is that rude? <laughs> he's, a, he's Zverev from like late 2019. Yeah. I mean, like, babe, you want to slam. Step the F up. Where are you at? For yeah. real, though. Yeah. Like, I are don't you know tired? He, I don't know what's going on with him. That's We need to get someone from Team's team on our show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was cool to see him hold the trophy and like, you know, not have to leave the court to go for toilet and, (laughs) and win, take home that boat. A lot of people were really feeling his, um, reaction to winning his first 500 level. I mean, let's be honest. It's not like, uh, yay, I won like, you know, Costa del Mar in a, a remote part of Argentina (laughs) you know like this is a big tourney there are big players here he showed up 
played. I mean, he backed up his result at the Australian Open. And a lot of people really liked the fact that, you know, he was just kind of chill about his win. I don't know about you. I mean, I've rehearsed what I would look like after <laughs> I won, after I after my first 500 level ATP tour win. It definitely would not look like that. <laughs> would it That's have what I'm looked, sure. <laughs> would it have looked like it did in Acapulco? You mean with Leila? No. Well, Leila was in Monterey. Monterey, yeah. The other men's tournament oh. was in Acapulco. I mean, it depends on how quickly my final would have gone. But I mean, okay, now we're getting to the real the real juice. <laughs> yeah. First, I before we get into the sort of winners and stuff, I have to give a special shout out to Kopfer, whose, oh. whose match I watched with Cam Nori. They were, the, it was a great sort of, I sort of tuned in the last set of that match. The guy was getting to pretty much every ball. It was crazy. Kupfer. But then, you know, he got a little bit tight. He was double faulting. But man, is that guy cute. Holy crap. <laughs> He's, you know, listen, that's for you. That's your the, lane. Not your, not your lane? I mean, listen, babe. I mean, I wouldn't say no if we were in the locker room together. <laughs> I win. That's the truth. But that, babe, that's your lane. Yeah, give me more of him, please. I missed his match against Zverev, but more of him for sure. He's he a snack. He came. He came. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, Freudian. When, when did that happen? <laughs> um, he. Sorry, I have to compose myself. He got to the semis and yep. lost to uh, Zverev. And gave me more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. PG, PG. PG, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he <laughs> made it to the semis. It was very exciting to see. It was his first, uh, so that's great. Not mine. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> anyway. There are just so many openings. I, I know. <laughs> so the other player who is now sort of caught fire, I think, was this Musetti. Is that oh, how you pronounce his name? Babe. Honey, we're going to lead in with that. Uh, do you, where, where do you where do you want to start with Acapulco? No, no. I, 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 don't, I hope you didn't misconstrue my tone to mean like, oh, I don't want to start with him because we oh, okay. could. No, because he, <laughs> I mean, if Kupfer is your man, is that how you pronounce his last name? I'm sorry. Kup, I'm just. Yeah. Kup, Kupfer. Kupfer. My yeah. apologies to all of all of you ATP and WTA players whose last names are just difficult for me to pronounce. I mean, <laughs> that sounds really lazy. But uh, again, you know, I'm not the best when it comes to, you know, last names. Um, <laughs> Musetti. Okay, if Kupfer's your lane, this guy is... I'm in the driver's seat, babe. He is just <laughs> snack attack all day long. Jesus. <laughs> and you know what? I had heard about him, and I was going to ask you... Um, I I had heard about him, but I really hadn't seen him make any waves. I mean, I think what I had heard about him was he was a talented junior, very good with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as evidenced in his match against Schwartzman, where he made that beautiful slice drop volley. I mean, who hits that shot? Um, but uh, I mean, a lot of the co tennis commentators that were covering his matches were saying the same things about Musetti that they said about Sinner last year. Like, watch out for this 
this snack i mean they didn't use the word snack attack but watch out for this player he's gonna he's gonna turn up so like did you know him from before no i he's uh new to me i've and then you know after his result in acapulco i started seeing all these videos of Mm. him on the instagram yeah just i mean he's got a bit of a swagger i mean i i'm in love with his face Let's keep it to tennis. Let's keep it to tennis. And I mean, he reminds me and, you know, at me if you think I'm wrong, but he's got the flashiness of like a Monfils, but definitely a lot of the um, consistency that maybe Monfils is missing. And yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have the same kind of ascendance that Sinner had last year. Well, this is good. I mean, this is what we like to talk about. New players on the rise and causing rises. (laughs) (laughs) So he beat Tiafo and Schwartzman. Mm -hmm. Dimitrov as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, he lost to CC in the semis, came out of qualifying. So again, another story of a qualifier making it through the qualies and then going deep in the draw. I don't know what it is about the qualifiers this year that are allowing them to really push and make a name for themselves going deep in draws. I mean, we're not going to go into detail, but that also happened in St. Petersburg. Christiane Gasanova, these female players that, you know, um, were relatively unheard of before, making it all the way an important tournament. So, I mean, aside from the fact that Musetti is a snack, he's also talented and like, girl, give me more. Exactly. That's Give me more. exactly what we're talking about. As these big three and everyone else sort of sunsets out of tennis, give us more snacks and more great qualifiers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's get to the main event. Yeah, because- the main event was, I would say, probably one of the best matches of the year so far, even though it was straight sets. It was just so good. So good. Set it up. So, you know, we've got Zverev versus Cece, my boyfriend. I mean, I want to give you the honors of setting up this match. Cece gave me the full, you know, 4-1-1 after the match as I was giving him a nice, beautiful butt massage. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I'll give you the honors of, like, setting that up. Like, what did you think? How were they looking? Was it cute? How was it tennis? The tennis was off the charts. So he must have told you that he (laughs) went up 4-1 early in the first set and that he literally was could not miss like some of the shots he was making were like i literally kept saying oh my god <laughs> like and i was saying this out loud at 12:30 12 12:30 12, 12 a.m. because that's when the match mm. was on uh, our time mm. but then it was 4-1 and he had break points i think in the in the that game to go up 5-1 and Zverev was able to hold uh to to maintain sort of just the one break and that's when it flipped um not that Tsitsi ever really stopped um playing well it's just Zverev lifted his level and started doing the same things that Tsitsi was doing in terms of hitting like amazing winners amazing backhands and Zverev was just the more consistent player in the end, but the rallies were extended, as you saw from mm-hmm. the story that I posted. the The final point was like twenty plus shots. It was just that the last, the second set was eighty five minutes. Mm-hmm. And there was d- drama in the second set. Didn't uh, 
what's her what's her face yeah oh what's her face my boyfriend <laughs> didn't he save a set point i believe i mean so. I, I I match remember. point no he yeah. did he he saved it he told me um <laughs> he told me he was like oh one more thing before we go to bed i have to tell you remember remember when i saved that match point <laughs> i was like oh yeah i was watching for sure um yeah he saved a match point and uh you know unfortunately zverev double faulted to have it to tie it to give the break to my boyfriend and have it tied up at five went into mm-hmm. a tiebreaker and the tiebreaker yeah like you said the tiebreaker wasn't necessarily tight in terms of points but it was definitely tight in terms of like no points were given up easily yeah it was high drama and tension and just really good play and the stuff that we've been sort of asking from these four or five players, the teams who's on a slump and Sitsi Pass who sometimes misses his backhand. He's he wasn't really missing. Mm. Zverev who can be off and has, you know, dumps serves into the net because mm. he decelerates. Mm. Uh wasn't really doing that. I think he had one game where he had two double faults in in a in that game, but other than that um, was serving fairly decently like these are the the things that we want I think we you know Medvedev has shown that he can be probably the most consistent of these guys now we need Sitsi and Zverev and team to step it up so that we can have another like big four hold on for a second okay hold on hey CC babe did you hear what he said he said that you have to step it up okay so the next tournament that you play you better you better do that. Okay, he's <laughs> he's going to do that. He just told me. Okay, yeah. I mean, and he's seated number two. So <laughs> now that he's done seating you, he can... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? It's, it, 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 it was there. It was there, and yeah. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really good match. And, you yes. know, what was so interesting, obviously, was... I I appreciated the the fans in Mexico. I think really seem to know tennis. I could just tell by their (laughs) reaction. And what what I also am noticing, I think, about Sitsipas is that he has the qualities and and I think the engagement with fans and the likability that Mm -hmm. he he could become like the replacement for Feder- for a player Agre- like Federer. Yeah, agreed. I mean, he definitely has that rapport. He's a very likable person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reason why, you know, we ended up becoming an item. But um, <laughs> I mean, just talking about, no, just talking about the way he interacts with fans on his IG, he is, he is very likable. He seems to be able to balance, you know, being a top tier male professional tennis player with also being... Um, a celebrity, an icon, a presence, you know, he's not so sing, you know, so um, singularly focused on winning slams, maybe he should be. (laughs) But he, you know, he also understands that as an ambassador for tennis, he also has to kind of, you know, maintain a relationship with his sponsors and with his fans and having a social media platform, etc. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. has other interests outside of the court, he likes to, you know, travel and do vlogs and blogs and all that fun stuff. So. I have a question for you. So, you know, um, it's a fairly complicated game, but I think if anyone, you'd be able to play it because you're about the details and about the, um, 
you know, about the about the observations. Where were their fans, and where were their not fans, and why am I con- <laughs> and why am I confused? <laughs> um, it was interesting to see the dichotomy of what was going on in Monterey, where there were no fans, and Acapulco, where it was like <laughs> bursting at the seams, at least seventy <laughs> percent capacity in the stadium. So I don't know if they sort of have local restrictions. Obviously, they do in terms of what goes on in a place like Monterey and what goes on in Acapulco. And then I think St. Petersburg was also behind closed doors. And so was the Dubai crowd free, which I have to give credit to Wade for that, uh, that name, because the tournament's (laughs) called the Dubai duty free open. So he's he came up with that. (laughs) So all those fireworks for Karatsev were just for him. <laughs> yeah, they were just for him. And the, you know, eight to ten people, including, you know, the CEO of Dubai Crowd Free that was in the audience. So I guess the the obvious question that begs to be asked is if Acapulco had no fans and Monterrey had close to 70%, if not more, capacity, and like you said, we're kind of like shoulder to shoulder in the stands. How far are they geographically that would allow local officials to allow fans to be there? Because my, my kind of like, you know, my thought process is, you know, if you're in Mexico and I'm assuming the tournaments are fairly close together, I mean, geographically you would want to, have the same rules and regulations at one site as you would for another. I mean, why would one tournament have fans and another and another tournament not have fans? So I just did a quick Google search <laughs> while you were asking your question, and mm-hmm. they are about 1,300 kilometers apart. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. So there must be something going on in that area of Mexico near Monterey, that mm-hmm. is not happening in Acapulco. Acapulco mm-hmm. is, I th- believe, more of a tourist destination. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I don't really, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, just what it looks like optically, f- um, for tennis fans around the world, it just doesn't. I mean, unless there's an explanation being given during the sports cast as to why tournaments have fans and. Uh, other tournaments do not it kind of adds to the entire you know argument of you know people are reaching the end of their tether when it comes to following covid protocol why is it that i as a resident of acapulco really wanted to watch this tournament really wanted to see genie make the final do all of these incredible things but you know 1300 kilometers down the road they're able to go watch and buy tickets and all of that i mean it's Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's just it's confusing. I think for a lot of people that don't take the time to research. Yeah, we we may have confused people with while you were telling that because it was Acapulco that actually had fans mm. and Monterey that didn't. Okay, but sorry. Yes, I I know uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, people who don't sort of know geographically Mexico but follow both tours and see that there's two tournaments happening and one has no fans and one is like seventy percent full. Mm-hmm. They they will. They will definitely be confused. Um, That's probably a good segue into some of the other things we wanted to discuss. Yeah. Towards the end of our 
program here. Yeah, I mean, as Will Smith said, um, welcome to Miami, ben, <laughs> bienvenidos a Miami. But the, the funny thing is that there's no one to welcome, at least on the men's side. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are a slew of withdrawals. Yeah. Including the big three. No big three. Everyone's crying. Everyone's crying. Everyone's there's, sad. There's no big three. Do you have the draw up there? I mean, I asked Jason before we started the podcast. I'm like, so what? Who's the number one seed on the men's side? Karatsev? I mean, <laughs> who do you have on the draw to make it compelling for people to come out to watch? And I mean, again, we're going to get into that argument because, you know, Jason and I probably have a lot to say in terms of um, referring to what Riley Opelka said publicly about Miami. Again, we're going to get to that. But, I mean, who's there on the men's side to contend? Medvedev, we know, is the top seed. Medvedev is the top seed, and you know who the second seed is. <laughs> oh, my boyfriend. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's oh, hold on for a um, second. He's just, he's just leaving right now. <laughs> see ya. See ya. Bye. Bye safe. Cl- close the door. <laughs> <laughs> Zverev is, is seated third. Okay. Felix is 11, but, you know, Lajevic is seated 16th. So that tells Who's you that, that? there's a... <laughs> Oh, Jusen yeah. Jusen Lajevic, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Isner's 18. RBA is seated 7th. Okay. So I'm just scrolling through the draw quickly. Sinner is 21. Okay. Uh, Dimitrov is 9. Hachinov, 14. Fritz, 22. Gofan is 8. Schwartzman is 5. I mean, Manorino is seated, so. (laughs) Manorino. Manorino. Karatsev is seated 17th, so that tells you how far he's he's vaulted. Wow. Fabio is 10, and Christian Guerin, the clay court specialist, is 13. Okay. I mean, listen, you've got Medvedev, you've got Zverev, you've got my boyfriend in the top three spots. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is, I would say that is enough to warrant fans going to watch the tournament. But I mean, if tickets cost $5,000, then (laughs) who's really going to go watch it, especially during pandemic time? Did you do a search of, I know we, you know, there was sort of that Twitter post, which Opalka commented on Mm -hmm. about the ticket prices, but, you know, maybe it's worth sort of doing a bit of a, a search to see how much tickets actually cost while we're you know on air right now but okay well, why don't, we, while you while i do that why don't you tell us a little bit about what opelka has said okay so you know riley opelka being the um vocal atp player that he is never one to shy away from you know sharing the real tea with the world um, responded to a fan's complaints on Twitter about the hiked prices at this season's Miami Open. So a Twitter, um, so a, a fan posted that this year's tickets to the Miami Open were unaffordable. And to be honest with you, when I found out how much they cost, my jaw dropped. <laughs> did you did you know how much it costs to go watch at watch a tennis match at the Miami Open? I think you told me you said you said five thousand dollars. Okay. Well, first of all, in twenty nineteen, her and her husband, this lady in Loretta, paid three thousand bucks for two tickets to watch tennis at the Miami Open. I think but that is is 
Is that not the whole tournament? Is that not like a yes. grounds pass? Okay. Yes, it is a grounds pass. Fine. Okay. I so mean, three... that's that's like nine or ten days of tennis. Right. Two, two sessions per day. So like twenty, at least 20 sessions, including okay. like the quarters and all of that stuff. Fine. I mean, if you happen to have the means and are able to, you know, pay 3000 bucks to be at a tournament for 10 days with your nice hubby sipping some rosé or whatever it is, a nice pina colada up in Miami, <laughs> go for it. This year, those same tickets cost 5150 per ticket, per person. Yeah. That'd be cray. Your dog is shimming its ass along the floor. <laughs> Bruno, Bruno, what are you doing? <laughs> oh my god, that is that is a, a lot of money to try and make up <laughs> the lost revenue or you know the reduced capacity. Right, and you know Riley Opelka's Twitter response also inserted into this entire conversation: if if fans are paying more to watch tennis during a time of during a, pan- a time of pandemic where player salaries have been cut, it's ridiculous. So this is exactly what Riley said. Quote, this is sad. Players are certainly not playing for money at this point. We are playing for the greater good of the sport. If there are diehard tennis fans that want to come out and are willing to pay 3K to watch tennis but can't afford it, there is something wrong. And I don't disagree with him. Mm-hmm. He is 100% right. I mean, okay, let's let's go further. He has another tweet here. He says, the players have already accepted taking an 80% cut. Let's make it as accessible as possible. You know, who could who could argue with that? If it's only 20% capacity allowed, would love to see a lot of junior tennis players there, there watching, not just the ones whose parents are able to spend 5K a ticket. I am a huge advocate of making professional sport accessible. You know, us being Torontonians, obviously we have the Toronto Maple Leafs in our city. When I found out how much it costs to buy a ticket to watch a Leaf game, it is, it makes me so upset and angry and furious because sport and the continuation and health of a sport is dependent on getting young kids access to watch that sport and to fall in love with players, with the game. And how are you able to do that when it costs $5,000? I mean, $5,000, like, okay, whatever it costs for even a day to go watch at Miami on a Mm. reduced payment schedule for the players is highway robbery. It makes me just hate all the sponsors. It does. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that the sponsors necessarily make the decision. I do agree with you that I think when you're already reducing the money uh, being awarded to the players to try and make up some of that loss from fans Mm. uh, when you've already reduced the prize money, I think is what Alpaca is saying is kind of ludicrous. I randomly looked at this website and tickets to day four of the day session per ticket is $241 per ticket. So that's like $500 with fees and taxes. It probably gets you up to $600 to see a day session, which means you get three matches. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I think of myself as a kid. I love tennis. My parents... Our immigrants came from very, I mean, modest isn't even the word. They came from no means, you know, and 
I watched my first professional match as an adult when I was when I had my own job I could pay for my own way and it just makes me so incredibly sad I know this is an entirely different conversation but like that is what Riley Opelka was um, bothered about and I mean I'm just going to add it in there I mean there's a general kind of COVID fatigue that is happening and oh my goodness did I lose the quote can you hear Bruno on the background <laughs> <laughs> Babe, it's okay. We're almost done, hun. Um, <laughs> is that Sitsi? He's still there? Or is that Bruno? Oh, yeah. No, Sitsi is whining. Can you okay. hear him? He's like, I don't <laughs> want to leave you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to add, um, there was a great piece that The Guardian um, wrote about the general malaise in tennis right now. And they highlighted Benoit Pair and his complete meltdown in Argentina a couple weeks ago. And Benoit was saying, listen, you know, I tanked that match, yes, but I didn't. I don't play tennis because of this. I've been traveling around the world. I have to be put in a hotel. I can't even go outside. I'm playing in front of no fans. You know, as an athlete, as a sports person, obviously he's a showman. Um, he didn't get... One of the reasons why he got into the sport was to entertain people, mm-hmm. you know, and there's none of that. And so there is, there is like a... Th- there's a lot missing... And Opelka said it correctly. I think there's just like, you know, just a general sense of (laughs) doom and gloom right Mm -hmm. now, unfortunately. Maybe Pear has been speaking with our buddy Nick Curios about (laughs) it's about entertainment. And that's why Nick isn't in Miami either, maybe. Yeah, but his compatriot Ashes, I mean, she flew all the way from... uh, from Oz to uh, Miami to quarantine herself for 14 days, I guess. I did love the joke that uh, <laughs> that our friend Steve put out on on the GLTA is the pandemic over because it looks like Barty's <laughs> in the draw in Miami. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Is she gonna quarantine for fourteen days? I don't, I, know, I don't think you. I don't think you have to when you fly in. I mean, she, she, they have a bubble, I would assume, in Miami. But okay, yeah, she's ready. She's ready to play. I think. Shall we? step into the women's draw on the ticket price piece i have attended three of the four slams Mm -hmm. and uh when i went to the french open i appreciated that i thought the ticket prices were reasonable for the tickets i bought i got Mm -hmm. four semi-final lady it was supposed to be lady semi-final day but that was when that was the year in 2016 when it torrentially rained for like three days (laughs) straight and it became uh two quarterfinals and i got to see burdick and and um burdick and djokovic and serena and um sibilkova i think Mm -hmm. um so but I thought that was reasonably priced. I would have asked for my money back only for the fact that it was five freaking degrees. And uh, our my our mother's lips were purple because it was so cold. <laughs> so the ladies draw is a bit better in terms of um, most of the top players being there with the exception of Serena. Yeah, you know, our girl Serena, who I had a, um, you know, my fires reignited for her in Australia. I was like, oh, this is the Serena of old, the one that I fell in love with, has withdrawn officially because of oral surgery. Now, maybe this is a little shady. I did not watch the IG. All of you Serena fans can at me if you wish. 
but you know I do not have the full story I, clearly this oral surgery was has been significant enough for her to withdraw but you know when you see Serena withdraws from Miami because of an oral surgery you're like babe a cavity should not be a reason why you don't play one of the top tournaments <laughs> let's be honest but I mean, listen, all you Serena fans can come at me. Sure, that's fine. But I mean, clearly, it's definitely more serious than a cavity. <laughs> I presume it's more serious than a cavity. But if if people want to share on IG after they've heard this, what the actual <laughs> oral issue was with her um, dental procedure, please let us know. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's nice I mean, to see, yeah, Barty and Osaka and... All the it's going to be a good there. draw. Yeah, Barty, Osaka, Halep, Kennan, Svitolina, Pliskova. I mean, Pliskova, she's basically just a warm body taking up the number six spot. She's been, <laughs> she got demolished by Pagula two, two weeks in a row. Like, lost, didn't even win more than five games. You know, I like, no, I'm not going to take that back. I don't really like Karolina Pliskova. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, sure, you can be the number six seed. Sabalenka's on fire. Our girl and- uh, Bianca's back. So the women's draw in terms of seeds, in terms of, um, you know, celebrity, you know, female tennis power, they're all present. So mm-hmm. Yeah, know, it'll be a good, it'll be good to see. Yeah, it'll be good to see. I mean, I'm really, I think I'm most curious to see how Bianca performs mm-hmm. because she posted on her IG like, oh, I'm so happy to be back in Miami. I mean, she said the same thing about Australia and then tanked that match against Shea. So hopefully she kind of, you know, has a heart harness. No, has, um, you know, has kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Harness is a good word. I think. Okay. Harnessed her natural talents to get far in a draw. Yeah, and she's taken a few weeks off from the event, the, the post-Australian Open event that she played. And then she she was t- to be in in Dubai, but she withdrew from there as well. So, right. Let's yeah. uh, let's turn her into uh, back into the winner's circle instead of a withdrawal queen. Hmm. I mean, Osaka, I'm really curious to see how Osaka plays. Is she going to be able to follow up her slam win? I'm sad not to see Mugu in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has a deserving break after winning in Dubai. Was it Dubai? Wait, or no, du- she's there. Mugu? I think so. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> no, really? She's not in the top eight? She's in, she's ranked, uh, she's seated 12th, I think. Dang. Okay, then I'm excited. I want to see yeah. some some yeah. that. She's seated 12th. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to call it right now. I think Moog is going to win it. Well, it all starts tomorrow. So we're going to tune in. There's going to be lots of tennis. And uh, that's another week of our lovely, funny podcast mm-hmm. congrats Layla can't wait to have you on yes congratulations girl I knew you could win a match <laughs> <laughs> and you did it five times and now <laughs> I think she had to play a qualifying match to get into Miami what yeah so we'll see how that goes hopefully she made the draw because I know the the ranking or how that works is is from three weeks ago so she i think had to qualify and i don't think i don't think um bouchard's playing in miami Uh, i mean she has been posting insta stories from florida oh i thought no 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 no, she's beverly hills beverly hills yeah yeah. i messaged her i was we messaged her and we're like girl but more importantly what bag are you gonna get and she was like you just wait 
<laughs> you're just sweet. So. You've uh, you one of the things that you've always wanted to do with Jeannie is bag shop. Yeah, go shopping. I mean, if she wants to throw in a little a little Gucci, I I wouldn't be mad at it. <laughs> well, we encourage everybody who listens to go shopping, but do it safely. <laughs> Socially distance, support local if you're here in Toronto, mm-hmm. and support our little show by liking, sharing, and subscribing, and like such as. And let's hope that in the next few episodes, Jason and I can give you a little bit of a dish on our own tennis. That yeah, because we'll, it's, we'll on, it's only been four months. <laughs> only been four months. Officially. <laughs> like, officially four months. <laughs> we're dying. We're dying, seriously. Yeah. Not literally. We're dying to play tennis. Don't <laughs> don't come for us for saying we're dying. We're just dying to play tennis. Is that, is that so bad? We just really want to grab a ball. We want to grab a racket. And we want to hit. Yeah, we just want to hit against each other. So <laughs> hopefully you'll hear a little bit about that next week and how, how shitty we were. Oh my God, don't say that. I'm so <laughs> nervous. I, can I hit a forehand? I don't know. I, I've said this before. Um, we're digressing a little bit because we're trying to end the show. But I've said this before <laughs> that, you know, I haven't really taken a break this long in a long time. But typically when I come back after a long break, there are things that I did that were bad habits that have gone away. And then they slowly creep back in. <laughs> well, let's hope. Let's hope that we just come back with all the good habits. Yeah. And uh, all of your good habits are downloading and liking, sharing and subscribing. Yeah, thanks everyone. We love you. Yeah, peace out. Bye. We're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.